At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We eagerly wait with anticipation for the return of Jesus, when He will make everything wrong, right. In a way, He's always reigned over all things, but on the other hand, His saving grace has received pushback and rejection from the evil of this world. Join us in our new series, Thy Kingdom Come, His Reign in Our Lives where we'll learn what the reign of Jesus truly means for us believers and how we, as the body of Christ, can continue spreading his name until he returns. So let's jump in here. I, I've, I've said this before, but I think it's true. If I sat down with most of you or most who are watching online, and, and if I just ask the question, hey, do you believe in God? Well, I know your answer. Your answer is like, well, I'm at church. Yeah, I believe there's God. And if I say, have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior? Most of you, maybe not all, some would say like, well, that's why I'm here. I'm trying to figure out what I believe about Jesus. And, but most in the room, most who are watching online would say, yeah, I've surrendered my life to Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And if I went the next step and I went, I went okay, Christmas. I want you to picture Christmas because we're going to get into Christmas season here pretty quick. And, and, and the whole scene where the angels show up announcing the birth of Jesus. Do you believe that that actually for real happened? The majority of you would be like, oh, yes. Oh, yes, I do. I'm going to call a timeout on that scene. I'm going to come back to it. We are almost finished with a sermon series called Thy Kingdom Come. We're in Mark chapter 3 through 5 in this series, looking at some of the major teachings of Jesus. Let's take our Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 is where we're going to be today. Time in. The angels. Now, if you said yes, I believe actual angels were there announcing the birth of Jesus, then what that tells me about you is that you believe not only in what we see, but you believe in the unseen world as well. That there are angels and demons that are around us that maybe we're not aware of at all times. And that brings us to our big idea. That Jesus reigns over the demonic realm. Jesus reigns over the demonic realm. And so right away, some of you are going, oh, that's kind of a weird big idea there, Billy. Like that one, I don't, I don't know about all that, the demonic realm. Like that's not our normal talk around here. That's not normally the kind of big idea that we would have. Yet, if you're going to believe that there are angels there, then you're going to believe in this whole unseen world that exists that we're going to see in Mark chapter 5. So how? How does Jesus reign over those unseen realms? First is he removes our uncleanness. Look down at verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1 is where we're going to start. Mark writes this. He says, They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Verse number nine. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. 
And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. Make no mistake. Jesus is intentional. Jesus is purposeful. So he's in this boat. He's with the disciples. They go across the lake. They get to the other side. And no sooner had the boat touched the land when this man came running up to them. Now, this man, I believe to be one of the most broken people that we see in all of scripture. And when I say one of the most broken, I mean broken in every single way that a person can be broken. He's broken spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally, physically. Like this man is completely broken. And Mark is screaming that to us. He says he's unclean, doesn't he? This man is unclean. Now, when you see in scripture, someone is unclean, it goes back to the Old Testament law. Because if you broke the Old Testament law, you would be deemed unclean. And if you're unclean, it means you can't participate in certain acts of worship. Right? There's certain things where when the worshiping people go in to do worshiping things, you can't be part of that. So think about the lepers in Scripture. Those with leprosy, they would have to go and live outside of the rest of society. They would live in these leper colonies. And if anyone would get close, they would shout out, tall man. Tall man, unclean, I'm unclean. Don't come anywhere near me because if you get too close to me, you might get what I have. If you get too close to me, then you're going to be unclean too. And you don't want that. You don't want to be excluded from every act of worship. So just stay away. This man is unclean. He's living among the tombs. Now, as he's living among the tombs, that means he's touching things that dead people have touched. He's unclean. He's from the Gerasenes, and just being from that region, it says that he's probably not a, a Jew. He's probably a Gentile. He's unclean. He's filled with an unclean spirit. He's possessed by demons. He's unclean. He's living amongst the pigs. He is unclean. Marcus and he's unclean. He's unclean. He's unclean. Are you listening? He is unclean. He's beyond hope. He is beyond all hope. You're not going to be able to do anything to reach this man. So just put him out there away from everybody and leave him alone. He's unclean. But see, it's not just spiritually that this man's broken, is it? He's broken relationally because of the demons. He has no control. And because he has no control, he's been so violent to people. This is that they tried to subdue him. So his family, his friends, they've held him down. They put chains on him. They put shackles on him. He's lost all control. He keeps breaking the shackles, keeps breaking the chains physically aggressive to people that I'm sure he said he cared about at one point to the point where finally they had to say, no, we're going to put you out where the pigs are. That's what we're going to do. We're going to take you away from all of humanity where you can't hurt anyone else. But there, there was still hurt, wasn't there? We see physical brokenness in this man. Look at verse 5. It says, night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying and cutting himself with stones. Constant torment, constant pain. It'd be one thing to say he couldn't hurt anyone else, but man, he was. He was just taking rocks and just cutting on himself over and over and over. Completely broken. Broken in 
every single way a person can be broken. And maybe you've seen people like that. Maybe that's been you before. And so when this boat shows up with Jesus and the disciples, this demon-possessed man, he runs. Do you see that? He runs up to this boat, and he falls down and immediately announces. The demon immediately announces who Jesus is. There's someone greater. The Son of God was there to destroy the devil's work. And so you see this conversation taking place, right, where immediately everything is taking a turn. And so he says, what have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In other words, the demon is screaming at him, Jesus, what are you doing here? Like, you, you ain't actually supposed to be here. Like, I stay clear of all the Jews over there. I stay clear of being where I wasn't supposed to be. I came over here. What are you doing here? We should negotiate, Jesus. There's a negotiation that starts to take place, right? Like, please don't kick me out of the country. I don't want to do that. And so Jesus asked him his name, and he says, my name is Legion, for we are many. Legion, you probably heard pastors who have preached this exact same sermon before. When they preach the sermon, they go into the whole thing of, okay, a legion, a Roman legion is about 6,000 soldiers. And I don't know that the number is as important as the point of we are many. Jesus is not fighting one demon. He is fighting many demons, a whole army of demons. It's not really a fight, though, is it? <laughs> it's not... It's not a fight at all. And, and do you see, like, because sometimes I think we're like, you know, we got to put on our spiritual armor and we got to get ready to do battle and we got to, it's going to be hard and it's going to be, work. there's no battle. Jesus shows up and the demons are like, well, we're done. That, that's it. Like, there is no fight here. And so the negotiation has started to the point that this army of demons is looking around going, okay, we really don't want to leave the country. The pigs. Jesus, can we, can we do that? Can we just go into the pigs instead? Because like, okay, we're going to let this man go. We're going to let this man free. I know everyone sees him as hopeless. Everyone sees him as broken. Everyone sees him as unclean. But we'll, we'll leave him, Jesus, because you're here. Like we see you. And we'll just, if we can, we'll just go into the pigs. And so it says that they entered the 2,000 pigs that went down the hillside and then drowned themselves in the sea. This man who is so covered in hopelessness, just like that, he's free. Just like that, he's rescued. Just like that, he's saved. Jesus saw something in this man that the others didn't see. Some of y'all are like that. You, you see things no one, no one sees. So like you'll pull up to a barn and you'll walk in the barn and there's what I would see as a busted down, gross looking car. Right? It, it only has seats in it. What kind of car doesn't have seats? You know, it's ruined. Like, it's no good if there's no seats, right? And some of you are like, seats. Like, that's the easy part of the car, right? And you're looking, going, the cobwebs can go away, and the dents can go away, and there's barely any rust because this thing hasn't been outside, and you see something. This car may be 50, 60 years old, and you're going, yeah, but do you see the potential there? Me, I'm looking going, nope, I really don't. I don't see the potential. But you, you see it, don't you? Some of you are like that with houses. You know, where I might walk through a house and go, this place is gross. Like, it's disgusting. You're going to walk through and you're going to go, huh. You wrinkle your face because, like, when you wrinkle your face, you see it better, right? And you're going to go, but if you take out this wall and rip out this flooring right here and you take out all the windows and take off the roof and put it all back together, this thing's going to be beautiful, and the rest of us, we don't see it, but from your perspective, it's not that big of a deal. A little bit of lumber, a little bit of nails, put it all back together, some paint, 
It's going to be perfect. It's going to be great. That's how Jesus is with us. I wasn't just 2,000 years ago with this man. That's how he is with us. So you may look in the mirror and you may see him clean. You may see broken. You may see hopeless. You may see every single hurt that's ever happened to you in your entire life. And you may go, yeah, that's a great story in Mark 5 for that man, but it doesn't do me any good today. Habits, yeah, I've got some of those. I've definitely got some of those. And maybe Jesus can do something for those two people who were baptized today. It's great for Eric and Rihanna. Like, I'm so happy for them, but it didn't do anything for me. Hang-ups, I mean, I'm not going to talk about it out loud, but man, it's there. Every time I look in the stinking mirror, it's there. And I think I'm just beyond hope. Can I tell you something? If there's breath in your lungs, you're not beyond the hope of Jesus. It is not over. It is not over. My hope is that today you allow the word of God just to come in to permeate your heart and to change everything. Next, we're going to see that he restores our humanity. Look at verse 14. It says, the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. So we see a few responses here. First, we see the response of the herdsmen. So they were the ones with the pigs. They're not their pigs. Right? They're not their pigs. They're there watching the pigs for the owners. And so they're a little freaked out right now because they have to go tell the owners, hey, so you see, we were watching the pigs. Honest, we were. We were there watching the pigs. And you see, what happened? There's this man, and he was demon-possessed. And this other man, they're going to try to explain this to the owners of the pigs. Then there's the fact that they're out of work. They don't have a job. If you've ever lost your job before, it's not a joke. It's a scary place. It's a pretty intimidating place to be when you're like, I don't know how I'm going to feed my family tomorrow. I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. And then you have the group who showed up. So the group who showed up, they show up and they're like, okay, we've heard this story. We know that man because we helped put him here. We know everything about him because we helped put him here. And they're looking, this man's just sitting there chatting with Jesus. And they're like, wait. For years now, these demons have been tormenting him, and that guy shows up and says something, and they're gone. They're afraid of Jesus. If he has that kind of power, they're afraid of Jesus. So they ask Jesus to leave. We don't know what to do with you, Jesus. So if you could just get back in that boat and just head on your way, that'd be great. thing is, Jesus doesn't force himself into our lives, so he agrees. But there's another perspective, that man who had been demon-possessed. I want to go back and look again because this encounter after being with Jesus changed everything. It says he's sitting there clothed and in his right mind. How long had it been? And yet here he is, no chains, no shackles, fully clothed. Do you see this picture of peace in this man? Something that did not describe him earlier. He is now this man that's just saturated with peace. And he's sitting there, completely changed. 
Now I'm part of what's known as Generation X, and we're, we're an interesting generation. We kind of fall in between a bunch of bigger generations than us, right? There's not a whole lot of us, but there's some uniqueness to us. Like back in the day, if we had two friends and one bicycle, no problem, sit up on my handlebars. I'll get you where we're going. Now today's group would say, well, you're going to wear helmets. Helmet? There's no helmets. Like we don't, there's no such thing as helmets. We'll be good. Like what could possibly happen? It's going to be fine. In fact, when we get over to your house, we're going to walk around the yard and we're going to look for some scrap wood. And when we find some scrap wood, we're going to find a cinder block and we're going to stack it up. We're going to be like, cool, bicycle ramp. Helmets? We still don't have them. What could go wrong? Mom and dad, they're at work, they at home, and there's no urgent care. We'll figure it out, right? That's how we did that. But it should not sound like we were fearless because we had lots of fears. We were afraid of creepy vans driving around the neighborhood with someone saying, would you like some candy, little boy? Like that, we were so scared that was going to happen. We were absolutely committed. Or going to the gym and having someone offer steroids. Like we just knew. If you're, if, you're, if you're a built person, if you're jacked, if you work out, you have to be on the roids. Because we watched Rocky and we watched what that Russian did. And we knew, like we knew. And the reality is today, it's not that different than when I was growing up. It's really not. We still look for shortcuts, don't we? We, we really do. When we have physical issues, when we have relational issues, when we have spiritual issues, we want instant gratification. We want it instantly fixed. We want to instantly feel no more pain no more headaches, no more, no more arthritis. We want instantly fixed. That relationship that took years to break, we want one conversation, it's fixed, ready to go. Spiritually, I've been pushing away from the Lord for years. I just, I just want to be able to read a book and, it, and it's fixed. When the whole time we're told to keep our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith, that Jesus is the one. We try everything else, but Jesus is the one who goes from darkness to light. Jesus is the one who takes the brokenness and makes it whole again. Jesus is the one who has the power and the authority, not just of what you see, but of what you don't see. And maybe in your life, you have tried everything to deal with what's hurting in here. You've tried it all, but you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You keep coming up with excuses to push away from the Lord. Man, my hope is that today you stop running. My hope is that today is a day of surrender for you. Which brings us to our last point. The last point is he commissions us for ministry. Look at verse 18. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but he said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. He responds how you would expect. Have you ever set out food for a cat that's a stray cat like out, you know, by your business or out your back door? You do that. That cat ain't stray anymore. That's your cat. Like that's how it works. That cat's just going to follow you everywhere. That's this man with Jesus, right? Jesus has healed him. He has redeemed him. He has completely restored him. And so this man is following Jesus. He's just following Jesus. Gets in the boat and he says, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Jesus, you got 12. You got 12 who follow. I want to be number 13. I want to go, Jesus. I got nothing here. 
I've been living among the tombs, man. I want to go with you, Jesus. And Jesus does something we don't expect. Sometimes he does that, doesn't he? We, we think he's doing one thing, he does something else. Jesus looks at him and he says, nah, no, you can't get in the boat with me. I, I want you to go home. That's what I want you to do. I want you to tell all of your neighbors, tell your friends, tell everyone. Here's what he says. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So scripture says he goes to the Decapolis. Deca means 10. The Decapolis is 10 cities, but not just 10 cities, 10 Hellenistic cities, meaning this guy was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. He was a Gentile because Jesus didn't come just for the Jew. He came for one and for all so that sins could be forgiven. And he tells this man, I want you to go to the place that I'm not going. You're going to go to this Gentile group, these 10 cities, and you're just going to start telling them the mercy that God has shown you. And that's the mission he's called all of us to, isn't it? With the disciples before Jesus ascended into heaven, he says, I want you to go. I want you to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he says, I want you to teach them. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded because I'm with you. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So that's the calling we have. When you placed your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, our mission is to go and to tell the truth of what he's done. See, it's not just the job of the pastors or the ministry professionals. It's the job of every single one of us. And so in just a few moments, the service is going to end, and maybe some of you are going to go to breakfast or lunch or brunch or whatever. Maybe tomorrow you're going to go to school, you're going to go to work, you're going to talk to your neighbors. You've got your clubs you're involved with, you've got your activities. Don't you know he's put you where you are for a reason? You have access to people that no one has access to but you. You're there to be salt and light, to be intentional with the gospel because the Lord has come to every single one of us. He's rescued us. Father, we thank you. We praise you for the great things you've done. Lord, for the story of this, this man who had experienced a level of brokenness that's really hard for some of us to imagine. For others, it's not hard at all. And yet as broken as any person could be, and yet it wasn't much of a fight for you to heal him. It wasn't much of a battle to see 2,000 demons run. And that same power is true in our lives today. So Lord, help build our awareness of the work that you're doing. Help strengthen us in our resolve to continue to make disciples. Continue to help us to see people the way, not, not just houses or cars, but to truly see people the way that you do. And Lord, move us to action. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.